The Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wasteland. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, The Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. I look forward every single day to being able to be with you here on the weekday evenings. Thank you for being out there, for joining us this evening for the Bible Live broadcast. Tonight we'll be finishing up the book of Acts in the New Testament. Really enjoyed this year our journey through those opening decades of the church. Jesus the Messiah had carried out his role as the Messiah, walking out a perfect life of faith and obedience to the Father and then giving his life as a lamb without blemish, without spot, purchasing the redemption, and becoming the firstborn of a new race, the race of the redeemed. Every tribe, every language group, every national group, every age group, men and women, all those who love God and desire him with all their hearts, I will be their God, they will be my people, God says, and that was made possible through the life, the death, the resurrection of the Messiah. Principally, in the book of Acts, we've been following the life and experiences of the Apostle Paul, but there has been a tremendous supporting cast, heroes of the faith who were faithful in their time, great and small. Some people we know about, others we don't. All of them together encouraging you and me today to be faithful in our time. This is our moment to live, our moment to shine for the Savior, and we must be faithful. Before we go to the book of Acts, though, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. We read from the Psalms and the Proverbs every night, and tonight we finish up the second half of uh, Proverbs 16 on the Bible life. Proverbs 16, 16 through 33. How much better to get wisdom than gold and understanding than silver? The path of the upright leads away from evil. Whoever follows that path is safe. Pride goes before destruction, and haughtiness before a fall. It is better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. 
Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be happy. The wise are known for their understanding, and instruction is appreciated if it's well presented. Discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it, but discipline is wasted on fools. From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It is good for workers to have an appetite. An empty stomach drives them on. Scoundrels hunt for scandal. Their words are a destructive blaze. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Violent people deceive their companions, leading them down a harmful path. With narrowed eyes they plot evil. Without a word they plan their mischief. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. It is better to be patient than powerful. It is better to have self-control than to conquer a city. We may throw the dice, but the Lord determines how they fall. End of reading, Proverbs 16, 16 through 33. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Herod Agrippa has come to Caesarea, and Paul will now give his defense, which means simply that Paul gets an opportunity to share the gospel, the good news, and share his experience, his conversion with Herod Agrippa. Now, Herod Agrippa II is son of Herod Agrippa I, a descendant of Herod the Great. There were four Herods in a row, and God used them. They did not intentionally want to help. They were trying to harm the cause of God, but in different ways. He used them to accomplish his purposes. Bernice was the sister of Herod Agrippa. She had married her uncle, Herod Chalcis, then had become mistress to her brother, Agrippa II. And then she had become mistress to the emperor Vespian's son. There was so much immorality. Here Agrippa and Bernice were making an official visit to Festus. Agrippa and Festus were anxious to cooperate with their Jewish constituents, Paul has appealed to Caesar, and they will send him to Caesar, not meaning that Caesar himself would hear his trial, but that every Roman citizen in good standing, and Paul knew his rights, had the right to appeal to the highest court of the empire there in Rome. Paul's interest was to present the gospel, as always. This speech we'll hear tonight is a good example of Paul's powerful oratory. He begins with a compliment to Agrippa, and then he tells his story, including the resurrection of Christ, and the audience was, of course, spellbound final chapters in the book of Acts tonight and Paul's journey to Rome for his trial in the Roman courts. The Bible Life, Acts 25, 23 through 28, 31. Acts 25. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice arrived at the auditorium with great pomp, accompanied by military officers and prominent men of the city. Festus ordered that Paul be brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all present, this is the man whose death is demanded both by the local Jews and by those in Jerusalem. But in my opinion, he has done nothing worthy of death. 
However, he appealed his case to the emperor, and I decided to send him. But what shall I write the emperor? For there is no real charge against him. So I have brought him before all of you, and especially you, King Agrippa, so that after we examine him, I might have something to write. For it doesn't seem reasonable to send the prisoner to the emperor without specifying the charges against him. Acts 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You may speak in your defense. So Paul, with a gesture of his hand, started his defense. I am fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense against all these accusations made by the Jewish leaders. For I know you are an expert on Jewish customs and controversies. Now please listen to me patiently. As the Jewish leaders are well aware, I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. If they would admit it, they know that I have been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of our religion. Now I am on trial because I am looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. In fact, that is why the twelve tribes of Israel worship God night and day, and they share the same hope I have. Yet, O king, they say it is wrong for me to have this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. Authorized by the leading priests, I caused many of the believers in Jerusalem to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them whipped in the synagogues to try to get them to curse Christ. I was so violently opposed to them that I even hounded them in distant cities of foreign lands. One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests. About noon, Your Majesty, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. We all fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to fight against my will. Who are you, sir? I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now stand up, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and my witness. You are to tell the world about this experience and about other times I will appear to you, and I will protect you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am going to send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. And so, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must turn from their sins and turn to God, and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God protected me so that I am still alive today to tell these facts to everyone, from the least to the greatest. I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead as a light to Jews and Gentiles alike. Suddenly Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane! Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. I am speaking the sober truth. And King Agrippa knows about these things. I speak frankly, for I am sure these events are all familiar to him. 
for they were not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa interrupted him. Do you think you can make me a Christian so quickly? Paul replied, Whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for these chains. Then the king, the governor, Bernice, and all the others stood and left. As they talked it over, they agreed, This man hasn't done anything worthy of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, He could be set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Acts 27. When the time came, we set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of an army officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment. And Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was also with us. We left on a boat whose home port was Adramidium. It was scheduled to make several stops at ports along the coast of the province of Asia. The next day, when we docked at Sidon, Julius was very kind to Paul and let him go ashore to visit with friends so they could provide for his needs. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. So we sailed north of Cyprus between the island and the mainland. We passed along the coast of the provinces of Cilicia and Pamphylia, landing at Myra in the province of Lycia. There the officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy, and he put us on board. We had several days of rough sailing, and after great difficulty we finally neared Snidus. But the wind was against us, so we sailed down to the leeward side of Crete, past the Cape of Salmon. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty, and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the city of Lasea. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for long voyages by then because it was so late in the fall, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Sirs, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, injuries, and danger to our lives. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fairhavens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it, so they pulled up anchor and sailed along close to shore. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength, a northeaster they called it, caught the ship and blew it out to sea. They couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed behind a small island named Cauda, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat that was being towed behind us. Then we banded the ship with ropes to strengthen the hull. The sailors were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast, so they lowered the sea anchor and were thus driven before the wind. The next day, as gale-force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even threw out the ship's equipment and anything else they could lay their hands on. The terrible storm raged unabated for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Fair Havens. You would have avoided all this injury and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. 
For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. About midnight on the fourteenth night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. They took soundings and found the water was only 120 feet deep. A little later they sounded again and found only 90 feet. At this rate they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the prow. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, You will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes and let the boat fall off. As the darkness gave way to the early morning light, Paul begged everyone to eat. You haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged, and all 276 of us began eating, for that is the number we had aboard. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get between the rocks and get the ship safely to shore. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward shore. But the ship hit a shoal and ran aground. The bow of the ship stuck fast, while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land, and he told the others to try for it on planks and debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped safely ashore. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Acts 28. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us and warm us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself onto his hand. The people of the island saw it hanging there and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us courteously and fed us for three days. As it happened, Publius' father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were cured. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, people put on board all sorts of things we would need for the trip. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed three days. From there, we sailed across to Regium. 
A day later, a south wind began blowing, so the following day we sailed up the coast to Putioli. There we found some believers who invited us to stay with them seven days, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me, for they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted, and so I could tell you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, We have heard nothing against you. We have had no letters from Judea or reports from anyone who has arrived here. But we want to hear what you believe, for the only thing we know about these Christians is that they are denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's house. He told them about the kingdom of God and taught them about Jesus from the scriptures, from the five books of Moses and the books of the prophets. He began lecturing in the morning and went on into the evening. Some believed and some didn't. But after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to our ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to my people, You will hear my words, but you will not understand. You will see what I do, but you will not perceive its meaning. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to realize that this salvation from God is also available to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in his own rented house. He welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God with all boldness and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. End of reading, Acts 25:23 through 28:31. Paul takes this trip from Caesarea, where he has been held a prisoner now for three to four years. First under Felix and his wife Drusilla, they kept him there a couple of years. Hopefully they would get a bribe out of him. Then Portius Festus came. He heard Paul. It's under Portius Festus that he appeals to Caesar. Then under Herod Agrippa, the one we just heard about tonight, where he says, Almost you persuade me to become a Christian. There are different renditions of that phrase of what he said. But he heard Paul's story. I've gone on and on about these four Herods. Each of them had a very close encounter with God. Two of them through Jesus himself, Herod the Great and Herod Antipas. But then each of them turned away from that opportunity. The first two had the opportunity to know Jesus himself. They actually met the Savior, met the Messiah. It makes me think of all the men and women I walk around every day in this city of San Antonio 
God is there. The gospel is there present for them. The encouragement to give their life to God, to walk with God, to serve God. And yet so many are so caught up in the affairs of this day and making a living and having fun and not to be bothered with the idea of giving God a place in their life, giving God honor and acknowledgement. I just want to encourage you tonight, if you're out there on the highways and byways of South Texas, take a moment to set your affairs right with God. He loves you. He cares for you. Don't put it on the back burner and just say, well, everything's going to be all right. It's not going to be all right. We are going to be held accountable. Do we desire to know God, to be his people, or do we not? That is the question. And if we do, we must act upon that. Walk it out. Live it out. It's not a matter of good intentions. It's a matter of desiring a relationship with God and deliberately and intentionally choosing to know him and relate to him. Surrender your heart and life to the Lord. He can only bring blessing to you. Well, the book of Acts tells the story of the birth of the Christian church and its growth in ever-widening circles. Jerusalem, Antioch, Ephesus, and even to Rome, the most influential cities of the Western world. Acts also tells us about the lives, the testimonies of some of the heroes and martyrs of the early church, like Peter and Stephen and James, and of course, Saul of Tarsus, we know as Paul. All of the ministry was prompted and held together by the Holy Spirit of God, working in the lives of ordinary people, merchants, travelers, slaves, jailers, church leaders, males, females, Gentiles, Jews, rich and poor. Many unsung heroes of the faith continued the work through the Holy Spirit's power in successive generations. Now it's our turn. Today we can be the unsung heroes in the story of spreading the gospel. It's the same message that we as Christians are to take to all who would hear us today. May those who come behind us find us faithful. Bye See you next time. With Soapy Dollar, Soapy Reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.